0: Hello and welcome to Wall Street Vision, a show that explores investment ideas from the best investors in history. I'm your host, Vlad. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as the basis for investment decisions. I may maintain positions in the securities discussed on this podcast. Hello Vision Nation, I hope you're having a great day. In this week's episode, I'm going to discuss the difference between market timing and time in the market. This is a really important topic because there's a ton of research showing why time in the market is a better way to invest than timing the market. But despite all the research, you still have a lot of people trying to do market timing. And that hurts them from an investing perspective. So in this episode, we'll cover what it means to have time in the market, we'll also look at market timing, and we'll look at those from the perspective of the most successful investors. We'll also take a look at what the research says on this topic. But before I get into that, I want to start with a story. So I was talking to a friend a few weeks ago, and this friend wanted to vent about their investing situation. To protect the innocent, let's call him Mark. Mark worked all through high school and university to pay down his debt. His parents were blue collar regular people, so Mark had to take out loans to pay for his college degree. He always had a good attitude and didn't like to complain. This guy held two jobs during his high school years and at times he would take a lighter course load so that he could get enough hours working to graduate debt free. At the same time, he discovered investing early so he would always put away a bit of money and invest it into diversified mutual funds. His consistent positive actions over 20 years got him a nice nest egg in the $400,000 range. Last year when the market took a dive in March, Mark held strong even though he had many sleepless nights worrying about the 30% decrease in his portfolio. He was worried because it took him 20 years to build up that nest egg, and all of a sudden it lost a third of its value. Mark resisted the urge to sell, and he ended up seeing a big recovery, so good for him for doing that. But the news were really starting to freak him out again. I think that the overall stresses of being in constant lockdowns during COVID and having to fight people for toilet paper at grocery stores really got to him. I can't blame the guy. I was feeling that constant stress last year as well, and I'm sure lots of the listeners out there were also feeling those stresses. Mark was seeing these scary headlines, and he thought that the recovery might be temporary, and that there would be another dip in the market. I totally get that, because if you look back on the headlines from last year, there was a ton of terrifying stuff going on, and research shows that the pain of losing 10% of your portfolio is much greater than the joy of gaining 10%. By August, Mark started to see another drop in the market, so he decided to put half his portfolio in cash. He thought that he'd wait until things got more certain and he would buy back into the market at that point. Putting half his portfolio in cash gave him peace of mind because he still had half his money invested, so he didn't feel terrible about his decision. Mark also figured that if there's a big market pullback, he'll be able to buy in at a lower price, and that would increase his returns, so it really seemed like a win-win situation for him. Well, if you've followed the markets, you know that that one decision that Mark made was very expensive for him, which is the reason he called me and needed to do some venting. In the time that passed since he sold half the position into cash, the S&P 500 has rebounded by almost 30%. If we're using simple math here, that single decision cost Mark around $60,000 because half his portfolio was sitting in cash. It's good that he didn't sell all his equities in August because then his decision would've cost him $120,000. But even losing out on that $60,000 gain was really tough. Mark's mistake comes down to two things. Letting fear affect his decision making and trying to time the markets. In this episode, we'll dive into understanding why trying to time the markets is a losing game. This reminds me of a quote by Charlie Munger where he says that you never want to unnecessarily stop compounding. The first rule of compounding is to have your money invested for the longest time possible. If you interrupt the compounding, like Mark did, that can be a really expensive mistake. So it's clear from Mark's example that you don't want to panic sell when there's scary news. As the internet meme says, you want to have these diamond hands. The other thing that people get sucked into doing is trying to time the markets to get a better return. Now, what is market timing? There's different forms of market timing. One of them is when someone tries to anticipate big macroeconomic events like interest rate increases or currency exchange rates, and they make changes to their portfolio according to what they think is going to happen. This is pretty much what Mark did. The other type of market timing is when you try to make lots of trades in a short time frame to take advantage of price volatility. An example would be buying and selling the same stock several times in the span of a month. So the person doing this would be trying to buy low and sell high within a short time frame. I do want to mention that there are some quant funds like Jim Simon's Medallion Fund that have computers do this sort of strategy successfully. But as an average investor without a team of PhDs and sophisticated computers, it's going to be nearly impossible to create consistent returns with this strategy. If you look at the wealthiest investors that have done well, most of them use a buy and hold strategy. There's a few exceptions but the majority are buy and hold type of investors. The main reason that market timing doesn't work is that when you trade frequently you're stopping the compounding all the time. And the second reason is that short term price movements for stocks are almost random. It's extremely hard to predict what's gonna happen to the stock market, economy, interest rates, or currencies. Even the top investors like Warren Buffett say that they don't know how to correctly predict any of those. So why do people do it if it's so hard to do it well? I think one reason people try market timing is because it feels really good when they get it right. It's the thrill of getting paid and being right. But research shows that's not a very good investing strategy. So, we talked about timing the market. So, what does it mean to have time in the market? Time in the market is when you invest for the long term. This is the buy and hold strategy, or the dollar cost averaging strategy, where you take a certain percent from your paycheck and it gets deposited to your investment account automatically. Some people set up automatic purchases of a mutual fund or an index fund. This is a boring strategy. Compared to market timing, there's no excitement with dollar cost averaging into your tax-advantaged account. You know that you'll probably come out ahead on a long-term time scale, but there's just none of the excitement that people have when they're market timing. I wanna go a little bit deeper into why market timing is so hard. It's so hard because the market is a very complex system. So at any given time, there's information that you don't know and that you have no way of knowing and that information is affecting stock prices. One example of a piece of information that you wouldn't know is if there's a large investor who wants to sell a stock purely for tax reasons. If they're large enough, that can drive the price down, but at the same time, that's a totally random event that would be impossible to anticipate. So you have those types of events happening and all of this is affecting stock prices. So short-term price fluctuations can be almost random which makes market timing a hard strategy to follow. If an investor is doing short-term trading in a stock, and on a short-term basis, that stock's price movement is mostly random, then their chances of making money with that strategy are low. J.P. Morgan had this yearly report they released called The J.P. Morgan Guide to Retirement. In their latest edition, they have this amazing slide that shows you the returns that you'd make on the S&P 500 if you were fully invested in it. And the slide also shows you the returns if you missed a certain number of the best trading days. So the stats are crazy. In the period from January 2001 to December 2020, your S&P 500 return if you were always invested was around 7.5%. If you missed just 20 of the best days, your performance would drop to 0.7%. So your performance dropped to almost 0% if you missed only 20 days in 20 years of investing. That difference between gearing up for a comfortable retirement and not keeping up with inflation was determined in just 20 days over a 20 year period. That's crazy. One of the reasons that market timing is so hard is because when you fiddle with your investments and you sell and buy often, you're increasing your chances of missing the good days. Now, a market timer might say, sure, I might miss out on some of those good days, but I might also miss out some of those bad days as well. That's true, but on average, the market has positive returns over a long-term time horizon. So by being out of the market, you're statistically more likely to miss out on the good days than the bad days. That's especially true if you're looking at something like the S&P 500. The other thing about market timing is the psychology of it. It's fundamentally hard to sell high and buy low because you have to go against natural human nature. It's natural to want to participate in something that's been doing well lately, and it's natural to want to sell something that is doing terribly lately to protect your portfolio. So on top of the issues that we've already discussed, you have this added layer of emotion that market timers have to defeat in order to be successful. Another reason market timing is hard is there's additional costs that drag on performance. Trading often has higher transaction costs, and it also has higher tax costs. For example, short-term capital gains that an investor realizes are treated differently than capital gains triggered on investments held for over a year. Of course, that depends on the tax jurisdiction of the investor, but a lot of tax jurisdictions have that sort of treatment. So there's additional reasons that make it much harder to be successful at market timing. I'll provide a link in the show notes for this episode. There's this great website that summarizes quotes from lots of the top investors, and these guys like Warren Buffett, Phil Fisher, and Charlie Munger all say that market timing is an extremely hard thing to succeed at when you're looking at a long-term scale. And speaking of Warren Buffett, when he's sitting on a ton of cash at Berkshire Hathaway, is he timing the market? I think in his case, it's less about timing the market, but it's more that he doesn't see the right investment opportunity to deploy the cash. For an investment to move the needle for Berkshire Hathaway, it has to be several billions of dollars. And it's hard to find those types of companies selling at a discount to intrinsic value. I think that leading into the COVID crisis, there were a few signs that the bull market might come to an end, and he probably thought that the next recession would provide great opportunities to put that cash to work. Warren Buffett was probably expecting a replay of 2008-2009 when he got tons of calls from companies that needed cash, and he was the lender of last resort. Unfortunately for Warren, the Fed's response was huge and quick, and he didn't get people calling offering him amazing deals. So what's the difference between timing the market and actively investing by picking stocks like what a portfolio manager would do? Timing the market is usually done on a really short timeframe. On an extreme example, it would be buying and selling a stock multiple times per day. Actively investing and picking a stock is usually much more long-term. Warren Buffett buys a business for a price that is less than its true value And when he does that, he's willing to wait a number of years for that investment to pay off. And if that business keeps having a solid moat and is compounding capital well, Warren will just keep holding it. He's held American Express in his portfolio for almost 30 years. The fact that the investment time horizon is longer makes the return depend less on something random, and it allows more outside investors to recognize that the stock was undervalued and to buy it allowing for the price to increase to the intrinsic value. By the way, since we're talking about market timing, there's also the question people often ask. I'll use an example to illustrate this. Let's say Susan gets a lump sum of cash. Let's say it's $10,000 being gifted to her. And she wants to invest all of it. Should she invest it all at once? Or should she dollar cost average the money into stocks by doing $2,000 investments split over 5 months, for example? Splitting the investment over 5 months has the benefit of investing slowly so if there's a big market correction she won't lose as much money because some of it is going to be invested in cash instead of being invested in stocks. Vanguard did some research on this and they found that in about 2 thirds of the time the lump sum investing approach was better when looking at returns in the US, UK and Australia. So in two-thirds of the cases, Susan would be better off investing the whole $10,000 at once instead of gradually putting it into the market. That makes sense because if the markets are usually rising on a long-term scale, then waiting to invest or doing it in small batches means that you'll hold cash longer, which will be a drag on your performance. The counterpoint to the Vanguard research is that if Susan is really risk-averse, And if she would feel very disappointed by investing that $10,000 and then seeing it drop down 20%, then she should do the dollar cost averaging approach. Strictly from an emotional standpoint, even though statistically that is shown to provide lower returns. As we've discussed over the episodes, psychology plays a huge role in investing, and each investor should know their ability and willingness to take risk before they invest. I'll add the Vanguard research link to the show notes for your reference as well. So instead of timing the market, the best investors focus on having a rock-solid investment process. There's this quote by Benjamin Graham where he says that it's not important to know what the market is going to do, but it is important to know what you're going to do. Essentially, Benjamin Graham was saying to control what you can control, which means that it's important to have a rock-solid investing process that you can decide on in advance and follow that process consistently. For some people, it might just be dollar cost averaging $200 from every paycheck into a retirement account where they buy a mutual fund. For other people, it might be researching a company really, really thoroughly and then investing into it. It's different depending on a person's specific circumstances. The key thing is to decide ahead of time based on logic and not to try to go in and out of the market frequently because as we've discussed in this episode, that's a really hard game to win. That wraps it up for this week's episode. If you've enjoyed it, please hit the subscribe button. I'll see you next Monday. Thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great day.